This is a Federal News Network podcast. Even if the government releases confidential information about an incumbent contractor during a recombete, too bad. It's not enough to sustain a protest, necessarily. That's what a State Department contractor found out when information useful to competitors leaked out. Smith Pactor McWhorter attorney Joe Petrillo sorts out this case for us. And what did happen here, Joe? Right, Tom. Well, this is a story related in the GAO bid protest decision decided a couple months ago. A case brought by Tetra Tech. The case concerned the State Department acquisition for guard services at the U.S. Embassy in Malawi. Contract was typical one-year base period for one-year options. The evaluation was LPTA. State Department was willing to go with lowest price, technically acceptable proposal for guard services in Malawi. Nonetheless, the State Department required offerors to fill out a spreadsheet showing how they derived their pricing. Then the spreadsheet had labor rates, indirect labor costs, other direct costs, profit margins, complete price breakdown. The spreadsheet that was included in the solicitation for offerors to fill out was derived from the existing contract. Someone in the government took the existing contract spreadsheet, removed the data, and put it in the solicitation. But they made a mistake in that they left in the incumbent contractor's name, and they left in the profit rate for (laughs) the third option year. So it was a fairly recent contract period that was covered. This was put into the solicitation. A later amendment took it out, but everyone got to see it. And the incumbent contractor, which was going to bid the recompete, protested. Uh, Well, first they objected, asked for something to be done. And when that didn't occur, they protested to the Government Accountability Office. In the protest, they said this was a Procurement Integrity Act violation. And in the protest, they also suggested that things should be done to mitigate the competitive harm. They wanted this to be converted from LPTA to a best value trade-off, so the lowest price wouldn't necessarily win. And they also wanted the agency to require a profit floor, basically a, a minimum percentage required to be proposed as profit by all the offerors to equalize that factor. And just to be clear, the only information besides the name of the contractor was their margin in one year. All of the cost basis that that incumbent had put in there, that was not there. No, that that was not there. No information about their direct labor rates or their overhead rates and indirect cost rates, other things like that. So it was a fairly limited release. Well, the reasons GAO gave for denying the protest, which it did, seemed to be more broader reaching than a limited disclosure. One part of this was based on the fact that the release was inadvertent and accidental. The Procurement Integrity Act requires a knowing disclosure. And GAO came to the conclusion that this was just sloppiness. Someone didn't intend to release it, but you know they did it in a careless manner. That's an interesting finding, because if they had inadvertently released all of the cost basis, labor rates and so forth, then anyone could have easily outbid that company just by bidding a cent less per hour here and there and maybe taking a cent less profit. And so even if it had been inadvertent, it would still seem to spoil the whole procurement had that happened. That's a very good point. I mean, maybe there needs to be a better mechanism than the Procurement Integrity Act, which requires a knowing disclosure. A careless disclosure can be just as harmful, as you're pointing out. We're speaking with Joseph Petrillo. He's a procurement attorney at Smith Pactor McWhorter. So what's the aftermath? Too bad? And what happened? 
Well, there's another part of the GAO holding, I think, that also raises a question about you know, what should be done about these situations. And that is GAO held that this wasn't information covered by the Procurement Integrity Act. The Procurement Integrity Act covers information that basically is in bids and proposals in terms of the contractor's information, information that, that's submitted with the proposal for the procurement in question. This related to the prior contract. And so according to GAO, it wasn't even covered by the Procurement Integrity Act. So we have there a question about whether there is a gap in the Procurement Integrity Act that maybe needs to be filled. And maybe there needs to be something else that's done to address situations where competitively important information is released. Is it also a little surprising to see a services contract like guard services listed as lowest price technically acceptable? When you think of technically acceptable, does that mean the guards are upright and breathing and they will stand on this square on the floor in front of the guard station? Or, I mean, what does that mean, really, in a, in well, a services contract? Well, it depends contract? on how the State Department defines it in the solicitation, and that wasn't really discussed in this particular case. But if you are going to go down the LPTA route, why ask for a breakdown of the cost elements? It seems to me that the only thing you could do with that is look at it and decide whether or not it's unrealistically low, as if there's some number in your head where if the offeror goes below that for a cost element, you don't think they can perform the contract. It's a very odd way of, I think, conducting a procurement. And it does show the advantages of having cost technical trade-offs where you can make qualitative decisions about these things. So do we know who won the recompete? Not the uh, GAO decision, and I'm not sure it's even been decided yet, but we'll have to see how this unfolds in the future. If the Procurement Integrity Act isn't available, maybe there are some other legal hooks available for those who, whose information is disclosed by the government, even if accidentally, and where it has a major competitive impact. Joseph Petrillo is a procurement attorney with Smith Pactor McWhorter. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees, 
great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation, uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led and I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime and uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.